0: Welcome. Welcome Parkview. Glad you're here. All our campuses. Welcome online. We're glad that you're watching us. I can't stop sweating, man. We got that We got that tub turned up, man. It's like 98 degrees in there. We've already baptized 138 people this weekend. How about that? So uh, I'm just going to tell you, we're ready for you. And I want to tell you online, um, I mean, if you're close, I mean, if you're in Vermont, you're not going to get here, but if you're close and uh, you feel like, you know, I ought to go get baptized. Maybe you've never even been here. We're going to be here. I mean, we've we've got time. There's time for you to come. We'd love to have you. We've been at the cross, okay? The the idea at the cross was Jesus said, believe that I'm the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence, And so how do we believe the evidence? We can't go back. We weren't there, right? Um, But we can call the witnesses. If you have a trial, one of the things that you can do if you don't have physical evidence is you can call witnesses. So the Bible is full of stories of people who were at the cross. And so we're just trying as we approach Holy Week this week, as we get ready for 20 Easter services and all the amazing things that God is going to do, we want to just get a little background, get a little perspective. Sometimes that's helpful, isn't it? I heard about a teenage boy who went to a small town to uh, go on his first date. He was going on a first date with this girl. He'd, he'd never met her. He just, you know, been online and, and whatever. And so he had to drive to this little town. And, and so he got there early. He didn't know how long it was going to take. And he went into the candy store. He said to himself, you know, I'm, I'm going to get her some candy. So, so he walked up to the counter with three boxes of candy, a small box, a medium box, and a large box. And the owner of the candy store was like, okay, well, what's, what's the deal with the candy? You know?" And he said, oh, I'm going on my first date with this girl tonight. And um, when we get to the end of the date, if she says thank you and shakes my hand, I'm giving her the small box. <laughs> if she uh, gives me a kiss on the cheek, um, I'm giving her the, the medium box. And if she gives me a big wet kiss on the lips, I'm giving her the big box the owner said, well, that's an interesting strategy. So so the the boy, you know, went around town for a little bit. He was still early. He thought, you know what, I'm just going to go on over to her house and see if she wants to go early. So he shows up at her house and they're just sitting down to dinner. The family is. And they're like, oh, hey, we're glad you're here. Come on in. We got food. Come on in. They set a place for him and they sat down. And as soon as they sat down, the father turned to the boy and said, why don't you ask the blessing? Why don't you say grace for us? And the boy was, you know, a little nervous, but he, he, he went for it, man. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And everybody's like, wow. And they had dinner and, and then they went out to their date. And on the way out, the, the girl said, man, I learned something about you already. I didn't know you were so spiritual. And he said, I learned something about you too. I didn't know your dad owned the candy store. got to have the whole picture. So, so here's what we've been doing. We've been just calling the witnesses. Uh, first week we talked about the centurion, who was the guy who was just on duty, okay? He was at the cross by duty, and, he, and when he saw everything, he said, surely this is the Son of God. It's got to be because there's too much evidence here. Impartial person, evidence points to the Son of God. And we talked about Simon of Cyrene, who was the guy who was thrown in to carry the cross. He was just walking by, innocent bystander, and he was forced to the cross, at the cross by force. But, but somewhere along the line, we find that he and his family looks like became believers. and So something at the cross affected him too. And We talked about Caiaphas, who really was at the cross because he caused it. He was the high priest. And and when the kingdom of Caiaphas and the kingdom of Jesus came together, they collided and and Caiaphas, the cross didn't change yet. And we talked about Judas, actually Judas and Peter. And, 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 you know, they both basically did the same thing. They both denied Jesus. Uh, Judas had his own motivation. He had his own stuff. Pastor Todd did a great job with this. And, And Peter kind of at the end just kind of wimped out, but they both ended up denying Jesus. Peter was the one Who buried the rooster. Peter Peter was the one who who, who was like, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be forgiven. I'm going to do this. And it transformed him to be the leader of the first church. Judas couldn't take it and killed himself. I mean, all of these evidence of things that went on help us to understand what was going on. So let's do it some more today and then we'll be ready for Easter. The first witness I'd like to call your honor is Pilate. Are you a king? That's what your own people and chief priests tell me you claim to be. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight my arrest. My kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then. You say that I am a king. I have been born and come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Truth. What is truth? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Pilate is at the cross comfortable. Let me explain. He's a Roman official in charge of Jerusalem. He's the guy that was stuck, I think, between a rock and a hard place. He was stuck making a decision. The Bible says at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release the crowd a prisoner and he had a notorious prisoner there named Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, you know, this is my choice, or do you want me to release Christ, Jesus who was called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. He knew that Jesus was innocent. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, Jesus. I've suffered much today because of him in a dream. His wife went and took a nap. Somehow she had a dream that Jesus was innocent, right? And the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas instead of Jesus. Like we want, we want this Charlie Manson guy, we want this notorious criminal guy instead of Jesus. And the governor asked again, Which of you want me to which one do you want me to release for you? And they said Barabbas. And Pilate said, Then what'll I do with Jesus? Who is the Christ? Listen to him vacillate. And they said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? And they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Pilate was, he was at this crossroads between what the crowd wanted and what would make him popular and make him comfortable in his job position and what he knew he was supposed to be doing. This is a real roadside. Of course, it's in Northern California. You're at a crossroads. Some of you did both at the same time. I know this, okay? But, but weed is a town, okay? And then there's a college this way. I just love that. It's got to be in California, right? It appears that Pilate kind of came up to this place where he had to decide what he was going to do. He's Caesar's guy in Jerusalem, and the people like him, and it's a big deal. He's on the fast track to Rome. This is a comfortable job. This is where he wants to be. But he doesn't really believe that Jesus is worth executing. He doesn't believe in that. So he doesn't know what to do. And then the the religious leaders, uh, to use Christmas story, committed a breach of etiquette and went straight to the triple dog dare. If you let him go, they said, you are no friend of Caesar. Oh, they're threatening to go to daddy. Right? Okay. So you, you, you with me? So comfort here, the people's popularity here. Now they're threatening to go to his boss. So this is the comfortable place. This is the decision to make. Kill Jesus. Don't worry about it. Go forward. Over here, he's got what he knows is truth, what he wants to believe, that this man is innocent. Plus, I mean, he's got his wife, you know, and she said she had a dream and he was innocent. And if he doesn't listen to his wife, it's not going to be a comfortable thing. Can I just get an amen from somebody? Okay, guys? (laughs) I mean, right, and happy wife, happy life. This is, this is a problem over here. So he's got, he's got this side over here. This is what I should be doing, and he's got this side over here. This is the easiest decision. This is the comfortable decision, all right? I'm talking to you, sir, ma'am. I'm talking to you right now. You are going to come up to me at Home Depot or at Costco or someplace, and you're going to go, man, you were preaching to me. How did you know you were talking to me directly? It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. You already know the right thing. You just need to do it. It's nice to meet you. Looks like the organic strawberries are back, okay? (laughs) Jesus said, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. In other words, what you do with Jesus will always have implications on your comfort. Pilate was like many people today who believe that Jesus is a good guy. I mean, I, gotta tell, I don't run into very many people that think that Jesus was this evil ogre person when he lived on the earth. Everybody thinks Jesus was a good guy. The problem is, if he's a good guy, what are you going to do with it? Because you can be fine being on the good guy thing, but at some point there's going to be a crossroads in your life. There's going to be a place where you're going to have to decide between your comfort and and making a decision for Jesus. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is a good guy and and he said he was the savior of the world, then how do you reconcile that? Is he a good guy liar? Is he a good guy lunatic, nut job? Or is he the real deal? And then if he's the real deal... We have a whole other issue, don't we? Because if he's the real deal, and he is who he says he is, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lord and Savior of the universe, what are you going to do with that? Well, Pilate, we know, he wimps out. He says, you know, I don't find any fault with this guy. My, my wife likes him, but I'm not losing my job or my power or my comfort over it. So here, I come up with an idea. This is so fun. I'm going to wash my hands of it. Have you ever heard that phrase? It goes back to here. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, he took water and like symbolically washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. Nice try, right? Nice try, Pilate. It doesn't work that way, but, but it's been kind of a fascinating thing for me to think about this, this weekend because, again, we're, we're doing baptisms. We're doing mass baptisms. We do baptisms all the time around here. Um, and we believe it's an important symbol of our faith. It's an important sacrament that we do, and we do it all the time. But twice a year, we just like throw in and try to do as many people as we can. And, and we do it on Palm Sunday because it's just a great way to get ready for what's getting ready to happen next week. And here's what the, here's what the Bible says. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pilate tried a water absolution process, didn't he? It wasn't baptism, but it was with his hands. And see, the deal is, it's not really about the water. It's just a symbol, okay? That part doesn't matter. Pilate went through a water absolution process, but he didn't have the pledge of a clear conscience His heart was not right, so please, if your heart is not right, then then don't try to do the water thing because it's just going to get you all wet. But if your heart is for Jesus and you're ready to make that step for Jesus and you're ready to stand up and say, I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing, this may be the uncomfortable decision that you've been putting off. As a matter of fact, you may be the reason this is the coldest weekend we've ever had for mass baptisms. (laughs) Somebody's being tested today. Can I get a hallelujah? Somebody is. It's cold out there. Here's what I want you to understand. What you do with Jesus will always have implications on your comfort. When Peter preached the very first sermon... He's reinstated. He's buried the rooster. He's not listening to that anymore. He gets up and he preaches this sermon, and he says, hey, you guys, you killed the Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said, Peter, what shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? Oh, man, we're sorry. What shall we do? It's a question all of us need to ask personally because we all crucified Jesus personally. And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Get your heart right and go get dunked as a symbol. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for for all whom the Lord our God will call. There's a lot of important questions you're going to ask in your life. Will you take this woman, man, to be your lawfully wedded wife or husband? You promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Do you know how fast you were going? (laughs) Answer to that's always no, okay? (laughs) But you will never answer a more important question than what do we do with Jesus? That's it. That's the eternal question. What are you going to do with Jesus? And when they asked Peter that, he said Get your heart right and go get dunked. You know what happened? 3,000 people responded that. 3,000 people responded and got dunked on, got baptized that day. Let's do it again. I've had rotator cuff surgery, man. I'm ready to go. I've been doing yoga. I promise you, I'm good. We got Bill and, 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 Na- and Jason and Richie and and. And Nathan, they're, all, they're not in as good shape, but if they go down, they've got replacements. and we, we got you covered, I'm telling you. It's all good. Make the uncomfortable decision. And i got a little bit of an announcement to make. If, you, if they had put them up before you got in, now you're going to want to come in from watching online because it's Krispy Kreme Day. Okay? <laughs> 542 dozen Krispy Kremes we ordered this week. Why? Because we're the... Unhealthy rock and roll church, first of all. <laughs> and, but but, but here's, here's why. We've been promising you that when we read 250,000 chapters of the Bible, we were going to celebrate. We've read 250,000 <laughs> chapters of the Bible as a church. We're on our way. So, everybody get a Krispy Kreme on your way out. And one of the really important things about, to know about a Krispy Kreme is how do you. I'm sorry. Have you ever had one without the icing? No, that would be a travesty, wouldn't it? It's Dunk and Donuts, okay? Come on. Dunk and Donuts Day. These are immersed in the sweet icing, the sweet baptism of icing. And you need to do this today. Let's call our next witness. I'm going to keep eating. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross is one of my favorite stories because he's on his own cross. Okay, we've been talking about this. You know, everybody's like, at the cross for duty, at the cross because of a decision that somebody else has made or because they're making. But He's not at the cross as a bystander. He's at his own cross. Two other men, both criminals, were led out to be crucified, to be executed, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus was crucified between two criminals, two thieves I heard about a wealthy man who was dying and in his last few moments, he called in his lawyer and his accountant. He said, I want you guys to stand on both sides of me, of my bed. And they said, why? And he said, well, I heard Jesus died between two thieves. And if it's good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. Are there really that many accountants and lawyers in here? Come on. These these weren't just criminals, okay? These are zealots. Matthew's version tells us they're zealots. In other words, they're considered a threat to the kingdom of Caesar, right? So so they're political prisoners. They're they're obviously a big deal. They want to make a uh, they want to make a statement about them so they throw them up. But again, he's on his own cross. He's not there as a bystander. He's not there to watch Jesus. He's on his own cross. And at first, everybody's heaping insults on Jesus. In the same way, the other robbers, Matthew's version tells us, who were crucified with him, heaped insults on Jesus. I mean, you know, we can't even gauge the emotional effect of what happened to Jesus on the cross. I mean, the physical effect we can see, but but everybody's making fun of him. All he's gotta do is call dad and get down off of there, and he knows it, but he doesn't do it. And they're all making fun of of him, except at some point, we don't know where, when we get to Luke's version, at some point, this guy, one of them, turns to the other one and says, hey, stop it. We're being punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the goofiest story in the Bible, isn't it? Today, not in a million years, you will be with me, Jesus, in paradise. The future dwelling place of God's people. What we see that is that Jesus, even in his greatest pain on his breathing his last breath is still on mission to seek and save the lost. from the cross he said father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing about the religious leaders and he said sure you can come with me to the thief on the cross in other words there are only seven I don't know if you know this only seven things that Jesus says from the cross Okay. He's, he's having to lift himself up with his nail-pierced feet to breathe. He's been beaten. He's bled out. He's almost dead already before they put him on the cross. And he can only get seven phrases out. One of them is, I thirst. So if you throw that out, two of the six, one-third of the significant things that Jesus says from the cross in his greatest pain Are words of forgiveness for undeserving people. Right? The Pharisees and the thief who, as far as we know, has no reason to be allowed into the dwelling place of God whatsoever. And he says, hey, Jesus, can I go? And Jesus says, sure, we'll be there soon. Please listen to this. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter what you have done. He will forgive you if you turn and ask him. This is proof. No one is beyond hope if they turn to Jesus, even at the last minute if you turn to Jesus. I mean, sometimes people talk to me about family members who passed away and they're like, I don't know if they ever, I don't know if they ever got right with God. And I always encourage them. You don't know what happened in the last moments. You don't know. But you're hoping the fact that maybe just like the thief in the cross, maybe they said, hey, Jesus, can I come? The soldiers could have asked. The religious leaders could have asked. Judas could have asked because he's in the same boat as Peter. Peter did, and Jesus brought him back. The key is, God forgives everybody who asks. you just got to ask. Max Lucado writes, It makes me smile to think that there is a grinning ex-con walking the golden streets of heaven who knows more about grace than a thousand theologians. No one else would have given him a prayer, but in the end, that's all he had. And in the end, that's all it took. That's a crazy story. It's so important for you this weekend because what's going to happen is hopefully you're going to come back. Hopefully those of you online are going are to show up for an Easter service. And what happens a lot of times is I feel like people come in and they're like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm here and I want to celebrate, but I don't really deserve it. I, I, I don't know if I should be here. I hope the roof doesn't cave in. I hear that all the time. You know, I, I don't know. If you knew what I'd done, PT, you would not want me in your church at Easter. Well, friend, if you know what I've done, you wouldn't want me up here either, okay? (laughs) And can I just tell you, you will never put yourself in a position where forgiveness is out of reach. You never will. He'll forgive you if you ask. Just do it. Just say, Jesus, take me with you. Here's the thing that blows my mind. On this side is... A guy who says, Hey Jesus, can I go with you? And he says, Yes. On this side is a guy who never bothered to ask, as far as we know. As far as we know, he missed out on paradise because he just didn't ask. So, what's going to hurt? Just ask. Let's call two more witnesses. <laughs> The men can't cross theòli! Would you rest with there's there's two guys, okay, Caiaphas was the high priest in the scene, and then that other guy, we don't know if it's Joseph or Nicodemus, there's two of them. They're they're members of the Pharisees, and they're at the cross in secret. I love this story, too. These two guys have been quiet about their faith, okay? They're a part of that group of people that killed Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea, we know he's rich, we know he's a prominent member of the Jewish council, and a secret disciple of of Jesus. The Bible says, "Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, but secretly," okay? He is a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. What does that mean? That means he's a really bad disciple. Okay? I love this about Joseph. But I, I'm going to ask you, do you are you a follower of Jesus? And a lot of times you're going to say, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a disciple. I don't know if I'm a very good one. How about this guy? You're a disciple from the minute you start following Jesus. It doesn't matter. From the minute you make a decision and say, Jesus, I want to go with you, from the minute that you make that decision, you're a disciple. Sometimes we're bad ones, okay? That's not a very good disciple who would stay in secret and let his friends kill the Son of God. Okay? Nicodemus was the same thing. All we know about Nicodemus is he comes to Jesus at night, John tells us, He's coming at night. He's like sneaking in with his, you know, cloak on, and 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 he asked Jesus, "Hey, how do how do how does this work?" And Jesus says, "You must be born again." And he was confused, but he but he started following Jesus. And John seven says the same the same story you just saw. Joseph or Nicodemus, they were the same. He spoke up timidly, but when the Sanhedrin started to back him down, he uh, he he backed down and he he walked away. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier. And was one of their number. I just want to. I just want to say that again. In other words, one of their number, like he's a church member of Jesus. He's a he's a disciple of Jesus. Asked, um, can, can I can I ask a question? Does our, does our law can condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? I mean, it's kind of like timidly. Like, not I'm not like I'm. I'm not saying for me. I'm not following Jesus or anything. But I'm just saying, hey, what about this? And they said are you from Galilee? This is one of their big deals was that Jesus was from Galilee. They didn't bother to check the fact that he was born in Bethlehem and would have solved everything. You would find out that the prophet does not come from Galilee and then everybody went home. Boom. At the cross in secret, hashtag disciple fail. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them, okay? Both of them. They did, They did, They just, they, they disciple fail. They just blended in. Somebody sent me this picture. This is perfect, right? You can't find me if I'm right in the middle of you. Does this make you feel a little bit better about how good a disciple you are, hashtag disciple fail. I mean, the Apostle Paul also said while he was writing the New Testament, I'm the chief of sinners. That makes me feel a little bit better too. But but but, but it should make you feel a little bit better. Not not that you should stay there. Not that I should stay there. We should be better. I was te- I was telling my wife, I was texting somebody about Rooted. Um, and, and again, you need to do Rooted, man. It's, it's unbelievable. We just graduated a bunch more people. We've had 1,600 people go through it. It's a 10-week discipleship process to get you started on your faith, but, but Syria changed it to rotted. I thought, well, that's good. We could have rotted groups for the, you know, really bad disciples, and then we could have rooted groups for the ones who really want to change, right? But, but, but that's the whole point. Sometimes we, we, we feel like, man, I'm just so bad. We don't want to change. We don't want to do anything. Watch what the cross does for Nick and Joe. They come to the cross and everything changes. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate, for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly up until this time, because he feared the Jews. And with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. And he was accompanied by Nick, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, and also was a hashtag disciple fail. Now all of a sudden, the cross happens, and something changes in them. Something changes, maybe it was seeing what Jesus went through for them, like he did for me. Maybe, maybe it was the centurion effect of saying, surely this was the son of God, but something happened. Listen to Mark's version. Joseph of Arimathea, prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate. That's what I want you to understand. That was the change. Went boldly. Something happened. And it's really important to understand this. They have not had the resurrection yet. There's no confidence from the resurrection. Jesus is dead. Do you understand? They didn't even understand there was going to be a resurrection. There was something about the cross that changed them and made them decide to make a stand. The disciples have run for cover. There's a few women around the cross. Jesus is dead. Nobody knows what to do. These two Pharisees stepped up finally. Because what you do with Jesus will always have implications on your comfort. They took Jesus' body down. They wrapped it in spices and in linen cloths. They placed it in Joseph's own tomb. And even though they had waited a long time to identify themselves, they stepped out of the shadows to declare their loyalty to Jesus. Like maybe you ought to do today. All right? Walk to the back of your auditorium and give your name to the people back there Give your cell phone and your wallet to somebody that's with you or give it to them, put it in a bag, and come down the aisle and jump in the water for Jesus. For, for Nick and Joe, this is a bigger deal than you realize. Let me explain this. Sometimes people tell me, well, Tim, I'd, I'd like to get baptized by immersion, but, you know, my family raised me this way, and, you know, they had me they had me baptized as a baby, and I confirmed it and everything, and they, I think they'd be really upset if I declared My own public immersion baptism, like that. And that's cool, it's fine. I just need you to understand something, okay? I've been processing this and I never really have before. I wonder what Jesus' family thought about him getting baptized by immersion. Because they were Jews, and they dedicated him in the temple on the eighth day, and they'd sacrificed doves, and we know that from the Bible, like they were supposed to, and they'd raised him all the way they were supposed to. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets to be 30 years old, and he's out in the desert getting baptized by his crazy cousin who's wearing camel hair and eating bugs, okay? If, that, if you don't understand all that, that's a legitimate situation. John the Baptist is out there going, hey, everybody, you need to repent, and everybody's going out to get baptized, and Jesus shows up. I don't know if his family even knew what was going on, but if they were around, I'm I'm sure they were like, whoa, 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 you don't need to do this, Jesus. You're perfect. (laughs) And you've already had everything taken care of. But Jesus said, no, I need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. That was his turn. And and when he did it, evidently, his heavenly father was really pleased with him because the heavens opened up and, and, and God said, verbally down from heaven, this is my son. I'm proud of him. Listen, I'm not not trying to put pressure on you. I'm really not. But the early church baptized believers by immersion. I've been over there. I've seen their early baptistries. This is the way they did it for 1,300 years of church history. Everybody will tell you that. We changed it later, okay? And we just want to go back to the way Jesus did. Yeah, I know it might be uncomfortable, okay? But what you do with Jesus has implications on your comfort. It had implications on Joe and Nick. I mean, it wasn't just their reputation. Let me, let me tell you more. The law taught that coming into contact with a dead body meant that you were unclean for seven days. If, if you know the story of the Good Samaritan, the reason the priest and the Levite passed by this guy on the other side, most people would guess, is because they thought he was dead or he might die, and they were on their way to go offer sacrifices, and if they touch a dead guy, they can't do it. Okay? They're still jerks, but they can't do it. That was what was going on in their mind. And if you touch a dead body, you're forbidden from public worship. And it's Friday night. Public worship is on Saturday. Sabbath is Saturday. So what this means is if they come into contact with the body of Jesus, they're going to be unclean for Sabbath. Not just any Sabbath, Passover Sabbath. The big deal of the year where they celebrated Moses and the death angel passing over. It was the major avenue for seeking forgiveness under the old law. Joseph and Nicodemus were willing to give up the old ritual of forgiveness and cleansing because of their relationship with the one who brings forgiveness. Even if it meant they weren't going to get to do that this year, they went from at the cross in secret to at the cross in declaration. Please understand, baptism is for us, it's not for God. It's not in the water. I told you that. Pilate didn't do Pilate any good. God doesn't need to see you get wet. He sees that every day. Hopefully. I don't know if that weirds you out or not, but he does. Okay, <laughs> <clears throat> Baptism is for us. The word meant to dip in the icing. It meant to pour, to plunge under. Oh, here we go again. Mm. <laughs> It meant that it was a representation of the death and the burial and resurrection. It meant, according to Paul, you're sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself, right? You've clothed yourselves with Christ. Paul said, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if we've been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have communion and pass trays across. There's two cups inside of each other. Um, just take them both out and hold them. You don't have to be from Parkview if you're a believer. We welcome you to commune with us right now as the trays go by. We're, we're going to set that up and um, I'm gonna go change and, and we're gonna get ready at your campus. Somebody's gonna jump in the tub and we're gonna get ready to baptize more people. We're gonna have, then after communion, we'll have a, a time for you to be able to stand so you can get out if you want to and come on down and we'll keep baptizing and, 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 and as long as we need to. If this is your day, following Jesus may have implications on your comfort. I, I wanna encourage you to think about doing it today. We've got towels for you. We've got a bag for you to put your junk in. We've got these trash bags you can put on your car seat if you're wet on your way out. We've got shirts for you to wear. We've got everything handled. We've got a Bible that we wanna give you and some information, some stuff to give you on your way. We've done this before, okay? We've done this a lot of times before. We know what we're doing. We wanna help you make it very, very easy on you. Had some great stories already baptized a woman from Nigeria. We baptized a woman whose birthday was, it was today. We baptized all kinds of people that I don't even know what their stories were, but I can't wait to find out. If this is your day, let's do it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the craziest story of forgiveness there is. and. A thief with no redeeming value whatsoever, dying on the cross, who can't get down and change his life. He can't get down and make amends. He can't get down and, and stop being who he is. All he can do is say, Hey, can I go? And you said yes. Lord, if there are people that need to ask that question, let it happen right now. Jesus, can I go with you? Thank you for Joseph and Nicodemus, who went from being disciple fail being really disciples that weren't doing a very good job, to being boldly emboldened to be able to go out and do what they knew they needed to do, even though it was going to cost them something. I thank you for Pilate, because that's a story of a crossroad. Even though he didn't make the right decision, it shows us what that means for us along the way. That at some point we got to step up and do what we know is the right thing. If this is our day today, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the sacrament of communion that we do every week here. Thank you for Thursday night coming up where you said, hey guys, I'm getting ready to die. But just so that you remember what's going on here, here's the bread, here's the juice. Whenever you get together, do this in remembrance of me. We will do this now. It's in your name that we pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you are interested in learning more about Parkview and taking a next step, please text GUEST to the number on your screen. We really hope you join us again next week.